Welcome to Word is Truth. This is Doug Presley. We're continuing our service. It is uh, 1-24-2021. We're going to continue with the thought of the week and prayer. Hi, this is Dwight, and this is the thought of the week, which I entitled, Faith Comes by Hearing. So not everyone wants to hear or believe the gospel message. They refuse to trust the narrative of the gospel found in the Bible. They may choose to believe otherwise or in some other philosophy. Some do not know what to believe, and they would rather trust in chance. Still others decide to believe there is no God at all, and that death is final, and that there is no eternal destiny consider. In every case mentioned here, the central truth is everyone does have the right to choose their eternal destiny. The matter of our eternal destiny is our responsibility. How will you handle this matter? Will you choose to deny that it is your matter to manage? Maybe you will decide it doesn't matter anyway. Just as the popular song goes, que sera, sera. Whatever will be, will be. One thing to know for sure, we have free will in this matter. Since we are free to make decisions, then those decisions must have consequences. And yes, we are responsible. Otherwise, we do not have free will at all. Of course, there are limits to our free will. Some decisions are already made for us, and we don't have a choice in the matter. For instance, we cannot decide to be born or what family we are born into. God declares that he created us. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. From Psalm 100, verse 3. At the very least, I would like to, I would encourage you to give God a hearing. Let God tell you what he thinks about this important subject. As we have seen from the review of the good and bad news, he has some important information to share. By hearing God, our creative view, you do not lose your right to decide your eternal destiny. Choose wisely. That is the thought of the week. And I would just like to add a little comment of my own that, um, I found that to be a very, very significant thing to be attentive to what God has to say and to understand that what God is giving me is not information that I've already learned in this world. Um, he has very unique information that he wants to convey. And he's just simply looking for people who are humble and hungry and willing to listen and hear him out. As Jesus said, whoever drinks of the living water he gives will never thirst again. So let's turn and hear what wonderful information God has for us. And that is my comment on the thought of the week, and we'll have Dave for the prayer. Okay, Dave? Okay, Dwight, thank you. Oh, uh, anyone has any special prayer requests that they have on their hearts? Well, pray for the grieving families, those who are in mourning at this point, uh, especially Mike, Deb, 
Okay. Uh, let's take this to the throne of grace. Dearly Father, we'd like to thank you, first of all, Lord, for giving us a chance, opportunity to hear the word coming from our pastor, Father. We ask you, Lord, to look over those who are in grieving, Father. We ask you for those who are in traveling mercy that you will look over them also, Lord. We ask you, Lord, to look over the church, Father, as we continue to grow in your sphere of grace, Father. Father, we're so grateful, Father, for your love that you have for us by giving us your only begotten Son. Father, we're so grateful, Father, of you, Lord, for your mercy and your grace, Father, that endure forever. Father, we also would like to give you thanks, Father, for this church, Father, giving us opportunity to learn of you and have the ability to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, as we continue to serve, Father, we're asking you, Lord, to continue to grow in us, Father, as we as we continue to read your word, Father, and grow in your spirit grace. Father, we ask this and all other blessings in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dave and uh, Dwight. We appreciate that. <clears throat> we're going to continue where we left off last week. Uh, we are in John, as you know, John chapter 15, and the, the verse in question today is verse 19. You have notes, so if you would, take, take a look at your notes. You can follow along with me there. Uh, so verse 19 says, If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Sometimes we try to fit in where we do not belong, like trying to fit a round block into a square hole. This is true of the experiences of many in Christianity. It is because they do not believe and develop the proper understanding of their identity, so they fail to, quote, live a life worthy of the calling, unquote. This world is not our home. Now, we can say that in a word, in word, but it is only seen by our growing up in Christ. The reality may never be experienced by some because of their failure to see themselves as in Christ. They constantly look to the Old Testament for wisdom and admire the lives of hero, the heroes of Israel. Some may even aspire to be like Israel, spiritually speaking. God chose our destiny in Christ long ago, before the creation of the world, says Ephesians 1.4. And it was not to be a part of Israel. Instead, he chose you to be in Christ, and our calling is, quote, out of this world. And that is our verse in verse 19. He chose us. He chose you out of this world. So we have a lot to cover. This is a huge verse. I don't know if we're going to get through all of it. Perhaps we should. We'll give it a college try, as they say. So let's dig in. Uh, the first phrase, if you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. 
So it's a hypothetical thought because it's real. It's really not real if you belong to the world, but really you do not. Verse 19 tells us that later in the verse. It says, as it is, you do not belong to the world. So I, I could say it's hypothetical. And it's exploring the op opportunity to think, well, what if you did belong to the world? Well, what would it be like? Well, the world would love you as its own. Right? That's what it would be like, hypothetically speaking. However, for you, that is not the case because you do not belong to this world. And you know, I used to think about this verse differently. I used to think that believers could uh, behave like the world is, or wants them to behave, and the world would like them. But really, you know, because th that is true. A lot of believers, they do think like this world. They are very uh, tuned into what this world is like. And you would think, well, oh, since they're yielding to the world, that means the world will like them. The answer is no, that is not so. And the hypothetical thought here tells us that. It says, look, if you belong to the world, well, the world will love you. You know why? Because you're from here. But if you don't belong to the world, the world will recognize that. And when we say the world, and that goes into point B, the world is personified. It would love you as its own, right? And that word love is, is phileo love, like to be fond of. It would, you know, favor you. Or the world, and, and this is, these are thoughts from, from Thayer, actually. Or, or is it strong? Yes, Thayer. So it's to be fond of, uh, to love, to approve of, to like, to sanction. All that comes, that's a definition of phileo. Like where we get brotherly love from. So the, the thought is, yeah, the world will have a liking to you because you, you're like them. You're like the world. But really, when we talk about the personification of the world, the world is really not a person who has likes and dislikes. But the world is a reference really to the ruler and the rulership of the world, the way of the world. And so that's more in tune of what the personification goes to, why I would say the world loves you. Point C, if out of the world you were, uh, the world in that case would be fond of that which is of its private possession. Now, this sounds a little uh, not literal or very literal. This is Wiest's, his definition or his translation of what it says, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. So Wiest says, if out of the world you were, the world in that case would be fond of that which is its own private possession. So this is Wiest's translation, trying to expand some of the words in the Greek. Right? He uses the word fond of. And notice, we, if out of the world we, you were. And that is true of us. We were out of the world. And that's what I thought about. This is coming later. We were born in this world. There's no doubt about it. So let's move into point D. They, us. Remember I used the they, us. Because really he's talking to the disciples. The disciples are in question here. But 
we are in question by extension. So Jesus is talking directly to people looking in his eye, eyes, and, and yet he's also talking through them. He says, and those who believe on you through the message, uh, we will be one. So we are of the same body as the disciples, even though they are part of the foundation, uh, later called apostles. But we are also an extension of who they are because we are built on the foundation. So when I use the they us, hopefully you understand that, are not from this world. So the world does not love us as its own or as though we belonged to the world. It cannot ever be reversed. And just know this. There's no way you're going to be able, I don't care if you devote your entire life to living according to the standards and principles of this world, you will forever be not of this world. This is the second phrase, as it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That you can't change. You could try. But you can't change it. You could live a lie. You could live a life that is not true to the, what you are. And it will ne never change the fact that you do not belong to this world. This is not who we are. And it was not even our choice. Just to note, Romans 6, 3 and 4. <clears throat> says, or, hold on. says, or do you not know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as uh, Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Now notice the life that we live is not some life that Christ lived when he was walking this earth. The life that we live is the new life. And that new is kainos, which means never before seen new. Unprecedented new. So that life is something, something unique. It is not the life of Christ that he lived when he was a Jew on this earth under the law. When were we identified with Christ? When in his death, that's what it says. Uh, it says, don't you know, all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were buried with him through baptism into death in order that justice Christ. So notice what we get out of this is the death. That's where we are identified with Christ. So that we now can share this new life this resurrection life that he has. We, we are not of this world. Once we went through this process, we're no longer of this world. This world does not identify with us anymore. Even if we try, even if we live like the world, even if we mimic and do everything the world did, even if we did everything we used to do or would want to do, doesn't matter. Positionally, you are not of this world. Just what Christ said is the truth. 
So verse, <laughs> verse, point E in our notes. Even if you behave in a way the world would approve, the ruler of the world, Satan, knows you. He does know you. You can't fool him. You can't fool God. You just are fooling yourself. You're deceiving yourself. Let's look at the Colossians 1, 12 and 13, just to follow up with that thought. Colossians 1. It says, uh, And giving joyful thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. Now notice, that dominion of darkness is Satan's kingdom. And he's dominating. He's over. He has authority over that kingdom. And what he has rescued us from that and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. So this is Paul's way of trying to tell us that we've been snatched from Satan's kingdom which is this world, in Adam we all die, and, you know, there's the bad news and all of that. And we are now brought into the kingdom of the Son he loves. Or we could say it another way, as Paul does, we are in Christ. We are uh, able to now live the new life, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Or the forgiveness of sins means reconciliation. So that's point E in our notes. Let's move on. So if we, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. But trust that the world, uh, who is controlled, which is controlled by Satan, knows no matter what you do or try to do, the world will recognize that and hate you, as Christ said. Point number two. As it is, we do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. So the first thought is we are forever united to Christ, even if we behave like we are still in and of the world. Just more principle. That's just the thought. We're forever united to the person of Christ. So that this statement can be declarative about who we are. We do not belong to the world. Period. Why? Christ says he's chosen you out of the world. And point B, as it is. This is the reality. Or what we say is truth. <clears throat> so we will order, will we, question, will we order our lives accordingly? It's truth. Will you orient to truth? This is John seventeen seventeen, which says, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. So when we look at the word of truth, or that comes, that is made available to us through the spirit of truth, we, we realize there's much more. And Jesus had to tell these disciples more than they could bear. Well, when the Spirit would come, he would lead and guide them into all truth, them along with us. So that's reality. So we could think about what reality is in this world. We could decide we want to have our own reality. We could have our own truth. It's like Eastern philosophy, right? They don't have 
truth as an absolute. They have it as relative. So uh, they don't like for people to say somebody's wrong. They can say, well, he's not wrong. That's their truth. They're living their truth. Uh, but really, there, for us, there's right and wrong, right? There's, there's right and wrong is truth relative to God or relative to what other uh, source may be the thought. Some, some may think truth comes from, you know, just your examination of things in this world. You're pretty smart because you, you can figure things out and, and you, you, you know, you look at things and you can kind of figure what is the best way to do this or that. That's not truth. The world can do that. There's, there's always smart people like that in the world. But that's not truth. Truth is what God thinks. And the only way you can have or understand what God thinks is through humility and allowing God the Holy Spirit to teach you what truth is means you have to be patient, you have to put aside your thinking, you have to allow God to tell you what you do not know. And arrogance, of course, knows everything, right? You can't tell an arrogant person anything without them having something to say about it. Oh, yeah, well, that's because uh, such and such. Yeah, I know that because this is why. (laughs) Even if they don't have anything, they will make it up. To make you feel like, well, they know everything. That's arrogance is all persona. But they don't have any knowledge. And they may know some things. Like I said, there are some smart people. But it is not the kind of truth that we're talking about here. Truth has to do with the revelation of God. And the truth that we're talking about here in this church is, is related to the mystery, the things that were hidden from past ages and generations that were hidden God, it is what we would call the eternal purpose of God. God told us in this age what it was all about, and the world disregards it. They say, all right, we don't care. We got our own truth, by the way, God. Just hear our truth. God is saying, no, let me tell you what my truth is. My truth is reality. It's really what is. So when he starts out this verse, he says, as it is, meaning that's truth. So I'm saying, how do you want to order your life? Do you want to order your life according to the things in this world? Do you want to order your life according to what you could see? You're really smart. You're really wise about how to do this. You know the best sales. You know the best this. You know the best that. A lot of people think they're so wise. But here's true wisdom when you orient to this truth, when you order your life around the truth that God has for you. Because eventually, this world will pass away. This world will be nothing. Like James said, we're here for a moment, just a puff of smoke. Here, where You see me? It's like the magician. Now you see me, now you don't. Right? Well, this is like how it is for us in this world. We're here for a time, and then we're just not anymore. We just are gone into the eternal state. It's short time. And God is saying, the truth of all of this is, of life, is what he tells us through the spirit of truth. 
This is what we're trying to learn in this church. That's the importance of it. Will we order our lives accordingly? You have a choice. You could choose to. Now, if you believe in Christ, well, then you're not of this world in this age. That's the deal for you. You, you can't change that. Let's move forward. We could obviously spend more time thinking about that. Point number C is chosen. As it, as it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of this world. Uh, that chosen, that word, is in the middle voice, eklegomai, eklegami. I think it goes like that. A he. I'm really messed up with that. Transliteration there. So anyway, it's in the middle voice. And what does that mean? It means that the action, uh, when God cho chooses us, or Christ is saying he chose us, and we know we learned from before, Christ chose us because he the father told him who to choose. And it's, this choosing really goes back to the father's choice. But in time, Christ is the one who literally walked around, saw those people, looked them in the eye and said, come, follow me. So chosen here is in the middle voice. In other words, God didn't choose us because we forced his hand. He didn't choose us because... He had to choose us. He chose us for his own purposes, his own uh, will, as it were. So what does it mean, this word, to select, to make a choice, to choose out, chosen? These are words that are used to translate that word. But note, it's in the middle voice. It could be an active voice. It could be in a passive voice or in the middle voice. And here... The middle voice expressly means that we weren't chosen because we were especially good, because of who we are. We were chosen out of, from God's own purposes. He didn't look at you and say, yeah, I can see some potential there. We were chosen out for his own purposes, right? It's, it's, his, it's his call, as it were. So, point D, chosen. Again, uh, God the Father, and this is the thought, he chose us, he chose our destiny to be in Christ. And we have that from Ephesians 1.4, where it says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world. This is something that happened for us, that we cannot change. We weren't there to change it. He didn't ask us if we would like this or that. He just chose us in him before the creation of the world. And that's, that's interesting to think about because that is what he did. We cannot choose our destiny. And notice, we cannot choose our destiny. That's not in our authority to do so. God chose us by selecting us to be here in this particular age. We can choose whether or not to believe in Christ. We can choose that. But we cannot choose whether or not we will be in the church age or some other age. That is up to God, who gives us life and brings us into the world at a particular point. So it is God the Father who chose our destiny to be in Christ. And when he says that in Ephesians 1.4, he's talking about us in this particular age right now. 
As I said, we cannot choose uh, our destiny. That is up to God. But we can choose when it comes to salvation. God didn't choose us to be saved. We chose to believe in Christ. It is our choice. And you have people who make that choice, and you have people who refuse to make that choice. It is up to us, and we are responsible. If we do not make the right choice, the wrath of God remains on us. If he that believes is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. We have to bear the responsibility for our choice. But when it comes to our destiny, you don't get to choose, choose that. God already chose it for you. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 10.32, which talks about the three different designations of people that are on the earth. 1 Corinthians 10.32 says, Do not cause anyone to stumble. Notice, whether Jews, Greeks, or the Church of God. Three categories of uh, people who are humanity. Now, one of those, the Church of God, is not of this world. God chose us out of this world. God, when he chose us in him, in Christ, to be in Christ and identified with him, he chose us out of this world. That's what this verse is saying. I have chosen you out of the world. So th those Jews and those Greeks, Greeks are representative of Gentiles, they are of this world. So if it, I know a lot of people are really lusting after Israel. I mean, every verse they read is like, open up your Bible to Ezekiel. Open up your Bible to... And they can't, they're looking hard for some extraneous verse that somebody never talked about. And they, they want to tell you about it. Like, wow, this is what I've studied and this is what I found out. Did you know that the temple door has this on it? Or some feature, I could, I better stop because it sounds like I'm being not gracious to them. And I'm not, but I, I don't, I'm really hoping that they come to see the truth. Not, I don't really want to mock them, but that is what happens after people are constantly focused on Old Testament theology as though that is our life. It is not our life. And you realize in this scenario here, do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or Church of God. The only people who are saved in this scenario is the church. If you are a Jew or a Gentile, you are lost. You are still in Adam under the wrath of God. The only people that are saved in this scenario are the people who are in the church, who are united to Christ. So Paul is saying everybody there is on the earth fits in one of these three categories. Every single person. They're either Jew, Gentile, or they're in the church. They're walking around on this earth. Why the lust for people to go to be Jews? Or Gentiles? It, it, there's just an overemphasis on Israel today and I know where it comes from. It comes from the enemy who's trying to take us away from what our true identity is in Christ. 
And this is our life, right? But this is, God is trying to tell us about things in heaven, in the heavenly realms. And yet we are, it's like the ostrich who keeps his head buried in the sand. So this is, this is our destiny. Right? This, this is who we are. Right? We, we're born, as it's, it's, we're moving forward in our notes, point E. We are born into this world. And that's Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. All right, uh, I should read it. Let's read it. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them. So, you know, when we lived among them, we were like them. Gratifying the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts, like the rest. The rest of who? The rest of those Gentiles and Jews. We were by nature deserving of wrath. That's just, we were born into that, just like they were. But notice there's a distinguishing between them and us. So, And that distinguishing needs to be clearly seen. That we were born into this world. So it is ingrained in us what the world is like. This this is our experience. We don't really have another way to look at things, but from the only way we know. But just like the rest, but we were very special. That's what we have to know. God chose us. When when it goes back to scripture, when when Ephesians 1 4 he says he blessed us in the heavenly realm with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus for he chose us in him before the creation of the world. So even though he created the world, we had to go through the world to fulfill our calling. We're not of this world. That's a, it's still not about who we are. God knew that we were going to end up out of this world because what happened to us prior to the world's creation, God at that point made the decision that we would not have a destiny that is related to this world. He made that decision for us. And it's the reality. that It is who we are. Point F. His choosing takes us out of the world, that is, our identification with Christ. And 15, this, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 47 through 49. Uh, not that we never read these things, but it's good for refreshing. 47 through 49. So the first man was of the dust of the earth. The second man is of heaven. The second man? Heaven? Who's he talking about? He's talking about Jesus Christ. The word that became flesh and made his dwelling among us. He's the second man. He was... The one who created all things. By him, all things were made. And without him, not one thing was made that has been made. That's the second man we're talking about. He became, how did he become the second man? He became, he was the, he's the Lord. He's from heaven. But he also took on a human body, which is humanity. So we can truly say he's the second man. But he's of heaven. 
not just some man that came from heaven. He is the, the creator of all things. He's the Lord, Jesus Christ. And he has, he has the, he always was and is God. He cannot be anything other than what he is, God. But he added something in the incarnation. He added true humanity. He's, he's a man, just like the Bible says. But he's unique, isn't he? Because he's from heaven. So now let's look at some of the features, verse 48. As was the earthly man. He's talking about the original creation of Adam and the fallen race. So are those who are of the earth. Well, that makes sense, right? The people who are created in Adam are going to be like Adam. They're going to have the principles and properties of Adam. We should know that the faculties and the, the consciousness and the mentality and all that we have is where do we get that from? God didn't just create it and instill it in each person. All of that was after the pattern of Adam, the first Adam. So who we are, when it says that, uh, you know, humanity, you know, Adam fell and all of that, well, part of the fallen nature is not just the fact that we sin and we lust for evil and, we're, you know, all of that. Part of it is all that other stuff, too. Who we are as human beings is because of Adam. We're not independent of the mold that God cast us in. That was it. But then something happened to us that's different than all those other people that are on the earth. And here it is, this last phrase here, as, as was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. As is the heavenly man, so are those who are of heaven. So what are we like? Well, we are like the man from heaven. We identify with him. We are, whatever faculties, consciousness, you know, uh, capabilities, all of that is from the, is of the man who is of heaven. Now, if it didn't relate to anything heavenly or on the divine side, then Christ, it could have just, because Christ was born on this earth. But it says he's the man from heaven. So it relates not just to his human side, but it relates to his divine side. He could have just said the man, but it says the man from heaven. And that is the distinction here. There's different capabilities, competencies for the man who is of heaven than the man who is earthly. And here it is again in verse 49. And just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, we have. So shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. So is the image of the earthly man and the heavenly man the same? No, that's the point. It is not the same. The image of the heavenly man is vastly different than the earthly man. That's what we're... And when it talks about us being out of this world and all that, we, he has chosen us out of this world, that's what we have to contend with. That's what we have to understand about ourselves. 
Now, if we don't know all this? Well, that's the quest, right? It's to learn of who what God has made of us, which is his eternal purposes, what he has done. We could talk about the mechanics of it. We can talk about the implications of it. We can talk about what God has planned for us, what is his, his ideal for who we are and what we ought to be, what he created us to be. All of that is on the table. And the spirit of truth will lead and guide us into all of that and more beyond my limited questions. So we're, we just read point F. His choosing takes us out of the world. That is our identification with Christ. That's what we just read. We're going to G. How do, how do we do this? Right? How, how can we avail ourselves of this information? Romans 12, 2a tells us, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Now, listen, we are not of this world. So it's very appropriate for Paul to tell us to stop being conformed to the pattern of this world. It's very appropriate because this is not who we are. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we know it's the spirit of truth who's going to have much more to tell the disciples <clears throat> more than they could now bear. But now, the spirit of truth, truth is busy teaching us about who we are. That's why we have information on Colossians 3, 1 through 3. Let's read that too. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. That's us. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So we, we talked about the fact that uh, Christ is seated in heavenly places. We've talked about that in past times. So where is our life? What Remember, we're talking about he's the heavenly man. He's not just the earthly man. So this man is in heaven at the right hand of God. And this is who we are identified with. This man doesn't seem to only have the prerogatives of just a regular man. <laughs> this man has the prerogatives far above what regular men have. In fact, he's the God-man. He's not just man, he's the God-man. So when we see this, we have to begin to recognize. So what, what, what does that say for us? Verse 2, Colossians 3, 2. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. This is, what are we talking about here? We're talking about how to renew your mind. How to not be conformed to the pattern of this world. But to renew it. Well, how do, we, how do you do this? You do this through... Uh, Setting your heart on things above, not on things on the earth, not on earthly things. Now, you say, well, wait a minute, I was born here. I, I mean, this, is, this is all I know. I, what, what else am I supposed to think? I mean, I know only my, the experience I have. Well, the things that you're going to learn by setting your hearts on things above are things that eyes have not seen, ears have not heard. Neither have they entered into the heart of man. So you're going to need the spirit of truth to lead and guide you here. You won't get this 
on earth or trying to review information that you have. Even if you collect the information of all the smart people on the earth, they still won't be able to get anything about what this is all about. The spirit of truth has to reveal this to you because it's about you. Verse 3, for you died. Well, you couldn't be reading this if you died, and we're talking physically, right? We're talking what happened when we said earlier in Romans 6, 3, how we are identified with Christ and his death. And this, this baptism of the Spirit thing that happened to us is what makes the difference. For you died. That's why he can say that. You're supposed to understand that, that we died with Christ. We identify with him in his death, not his life, his death. And then now, through we go through the burial and the resurrection, now we are able to identify with him in his life, the resurrection, the new life, where he is seated. Where, where is he again? At the right hand of the Father. Place of highest honor. There is no higher place to be. So when Christ, uh, you know, when, when he was risen, we were also raised up with him. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. That's verse 3. So that's what you ought to be thinking about. That's what renews your mind. So when you study and you're focused on what does the word say, you have to focus on information that pertains to you not israel not gentile information but here you can keep your mind on things above the only way you're going to do that is the spirit of truth that you can't there's no other way to do it you have to think in terms of what god has made you your identity and then you can come to the real, the reality, the realization of who you are in Christ. You can begin to build that foundation and walk worthy of that calling. So point, this, we're just going to finish this last point or phrase. If, if the world belonged to you, I'm sorry, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. The last phrase, point number three. That is why the world hates you. So we, we, we'll we dig into this. I don't think we have too many points, just three. We are temporarily hated by the world and its ruler. Temporarily. But we are eternally loved by God. That's Romans, and I'm getting Romans 8, 36 through 39. We're covering these next these verses, in fact, uh, on Wednesdays. It's going to be exciting to me to look at these verses. I think we're on verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger of sword? As it is written, verse 36, For your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. And the question is, yeah, the world hates you temporarily. That's all there is, temporarily. You're going to suffer in this world if you, those who are God, live godly in Christ Jesus. In this world, you will have trouble. 
the world will hate you. You're not of the world. If you, if you were of the world, the world would love you. But as it is, the world hates you. That is your uh, lot. This is who you are. So, verse 36 says, all day long. This is what it's like to live in this world. Persecution. And nothing. Remember, we're, we're loved by God eternally. And why do we say eternally? Because this is God's eternal purpose. That he have us. Many brothers and sisters who are conformed to the image of his son. This is his eternal purpose. It goes, yes, he took us through the world. Yes, he did, to get us to this point to where he, we are his, but that don't allow the stain of the world to be indelibly on you. But you can renew your mind and come to the eternal purpose of the Father, for which he called you from eternity past. You can do that. That's through the spirit of truth. God has given us that to do. So then verse 37, know in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So, but a little bit of time you're here. Yeah, this is what's going to be the course for you. The world's going to hate you. But just know, nothing that happens in this world, nothing could separate us from what God has called us to, the love he has for us. Verse 38, for I'm convinced, I'm persuaded, this is the conclusion I've reached, that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us. From the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what, what happened in Ephesians 1.4? For he chose us in him before the creation of the world. Now, I'm not going to give away everything I'm going to talk about on Wednesdays. You have to come back on Wednesdays to hear how we're going to work this verse into the context. But... I've just worked it into this context a little bit just so we could play around with it and know that while the world hates you, don't worry. I'd love to exchange that for how we are eternally loved by God. And this, these verses unequivocally say that. Point B. We are saved by believing in our Lord. But we are also raised, notice, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion. And every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. That's Ephesians 1.21. Yeah, we're saved. That's the gift. But you know what? All the rest of that is not, that is according to to the sovereign grace of the Father. He did not choose that for every person who was saved. But when our, when we're saved, we are raised with him. Look at how easily it says it in Ephesians. I know this is not in our notes. Ephesians chapter 2. It says, 
but because of his, this is 2-4, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ, seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Yeah, there's something very special about us being in Christ. And we he, he chose us in Christ. And if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation, says 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Old things have lost their power over us. New things have come. So, also, he's great, far above. I like that verse. Not just above, far above. All rule and authority, power and dominion. Every name that is invoked. Not only now, but any time in the future. This is who we are in Christ. Don't feel bad about being not a part of this world. That's what God is for you. Something that... Listen, this world is not... I know people want to be down here. I know people want to be identified with Israel. They want to lift up the shield of faith and all these things that Israel had. And fight like Israel fought. But this, that Israel is of the world. Even redeemed Israel is still of the world. Yeah. So last point in this is point C. This is why where it says that that is why the world hates you. And I would say this is why. Right? This is, so for him to say that, we are to understand why we have this opposition. It's not just walking around, you got hit on the side of the head, then hit in the back of the head, then knocked down and somebody stepped on. And you're wondering, what in the world is happening to me? What in the world is happening to me? You should know because you understand what's happening. The world hates you. Don't look for friendliness, kindness from the world. And even if you are able to succeed in this world in some way, just know that God is the one who's provided a way for you. It's not Satan, not the world yielding to your intelligence or something. It is God who's taking care of you there's no way that we could ever, as believers in Christ in this world, gain any ground at all. Any ground we gain is because of the grace of God. So we, we need to understand why we have opposition, just as Christ did when he walked on this earth. We ought to walk with confidence, just like Christ did. Christ knew what was, he knew he was getting ready to go through tremendous suffering on our behalf. He understood that he was going to have to go and be maligned and beaten and mocked and lied upon and abused. But he realized why. And when you know why, it makes a big difference. It allows you to have confidence and know that you're executing the Father's plan for the joy that was set before him despised the cross, scorned its shame, 
he understood that he was going to be seated at the right hand of the Father through that all. So we ought to walk with confidence. And this is 2 Corinthians 3.12. We should uh, look at this one as we close. 2 Corinthians, it's very short. It just says, Therefore, since we have such a hope, there it is. We are very bold. That's, that's how we walk in this world. We walk with our head up, even though, yeah, we're persecuted. Yeah, we're struck down. We're, yeah, we're de- all these things that are happening to us, we are not destroyed. Inside, we're being renewed day by day. We're not to fret and fear about what's happening. We ought to walk with boldness, confidence, because we know who we are. We understand it. So this, a lot of people will not ever experience these things because they are stuck on what is the past. What is Israel? What is what is it like to be in this world? What is Adam? What is all of that Gentile life? They will not allow the Holy Spirit of truth to lead and guide them into all truth. Now, it is your choice. It is. It is your destiny, whether you like it or not. So if you don't, orient to it, then obviously you'll be like a fish out of water. Uh, it'll part of, partly be the struggle that you have. You will not bear fruit you, since you are not abiding in Christ. There are, a lot, there are consequences to your choices. But I would hope that you would take the wiser option, and that is to orient the life that God has planned from you from eternity past. He planned it for you from eternity past. We're going to have to stop. We'll continue with these verses next week. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Father. We're so not only pleased, but proud to be a part of this age. Thank you for choosing us in Christ before the creation of the world. We thank you for each person that is here attending Word is Truth. We're praying for Word is truth, the longevity of it, that we can continue to, to keep our focus and to grow in grace, that we may have the full stature of Christ as a part of, not of us, just us individually, but of the entire church. So we pray and thank you for this forum that we have, that we can talk about the deep things of God, that we could talk about whatever intricacies we find that are in the world that you can give us wisdom on those things as well thank you for your provision uh, in this world we, we thank you that you've protected us and you've allowed us to to not only live but to thrive and to have jobs and to to be able to represent you properly in this world we thank you for your grace. And we pray that we can be an impact in others' lives, that we could lead people to Christ, that others may come to know you, Father, and your Son, whom you have sent. All this we ask in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Amen.